Hi, I'm Jason Karn, Total HIPAA's Chief Compliance Officer. On today's episode of HIPAA Talk, I speak with Eric Congas, founder and CEO of Luxi. Luxi provides email encryption, web hosting, forms, and secure sending services for HIPAA compliant entities. We discuss security practices to use when working remotely during COVID-19. Eric offers helpful tips for keeping devices and networks secure. We also discuss BYOD policies, how to keep EPHI safe, and more. Eric, welcome back. Thanks for for chatting with us here. Um, I was wondering if you'd talk a little bit about how things are going at Luxi with the COVID-19, how you guys are handling that. Um, any like surprises that came out of it as far as, you know, I know a lot of us are having to send people home and e-commuting and, and telecommuting and what that's looked like. So if you, if you don't mind chatting a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I mean, obviously COVID-19 has been tough for everybody, but Luxi was actually well positioned for it in the sense that our workforce has already been working from home about 80% of the time. So making the order to work from home indefinitely didn't really affect day-to-day operations for anybody, didn't affect our meetings, et cetera. Um, the services that we're offering to people from video to email to websites, you know, everything around security and communications is even more needed now than it was before, especially with dealing with security. So we've actually seen an uptick in business. Uh, so we're really busy um, scrambling around helping out people. And um, also part of the response, we realized that one of the things that we offer is crucial to the COVID-19 response. On our site right now, we have an offer that we're giving to any organization that needs to send email communications in bulk related to COVID-19. And a perfect example for this is a you know testing lab where they may perform tests for thousands or hundreds of thousands of people in a day, and they need to get those results back to those people quickly. And email typically is a really good avenue for that because you can get it, everybody has email and you can get it instantaneously. So we're providing free services for all these people all the way through October to uh, help them, you know, stay on top of this and get, you know, all their electronic ducks in a row and, and provide responses for people for testing and even just for, you know, the status of what's happening with your hospital or your own medical organization. We've seen a lot of interest in that. And it's also been great for us as a way we can actually give back to the community in a meaningful way. Even though we are not first responders, we can definitely help in the background. That's awesome. That, that's that's a great program. I think as with us, we've noticed a huge uptick. We had a lot of clients that didn't have remote work policies or ways to do it because they assumed they were just going to have people coming in the office. And now we're in a situation where there was a lot of scrambling in the first couple of weeks of how do we communicate securely? We weren't using a bring your own device policy, but now we need to to adjust and make sure that we've secured those devices that we're securing information. And then that brings up another issue with, you know, kids home learning is a lot of times you have shared devices. So how do we manage that uh, properly? How do we keep information out of, you know, prying eyes, prying hands, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, um, I think everybody's been a bit on the scramble for that, but um, kudos to you guys for opening up your email platform. That's really fantastic. So um, as we go through this, I'd like to sort of go back to some of the COVID stuff and just about remote working. And I know you guys have some really interesting new products uh, since the last time we talked. They're probably not so new to you guys, like with the video conferencing. I'd like to go back and sort of talk about concerns for companies that are trying to stay HIPAA compliant in these crazy turbulent times when they've had to send so many people home and now are 
having people telecommuting, um, having, you know, physicians are now doing telecommuting appointments, um, you know, like what are some of your concerns for these, these companies or in these practices as they're going through this process? Right. The biggest concerns um, are people who are tossed into a home work environment trying to work, but without the context of an existing corporate bring your own device security policy. Um, so then they're left to sort of fend for themselves and they're in a dangerous position. And sort of the fundamentals around that are, I think, as you mentioned before, sharing devices or passwords, uh, keeping devices up with proper patching and securing your networks. And there's a lot of stuff around that, but it's so easy just for someone, some mom to give her kid the computer to use for the day. There's documents there. Those get attached to an email by accident or the kid installs some application that isn't proper for the machine. Like all this stuff can be happening if you're not aware and taking steps to make sure that you have a separation of sensitive devices from everything else. And it may actually not even be possible to do effectively in certain situations where you only have one device at home. So then you have to sort of find some happy middle ground where at least you have separate users and everyone's not using the same login, you know, and you have the best you can do to segregate things is what should be going on. And probably the company should be looking at who's doing what, what level of access they have and making sure that people with at least the most privileged access have as much segregation in their work environment from their home environment as possible. Right. Yeah. That's a, that, that is a IT, uh, a person's nightmare right there <laughs> it's how do you deal with that deal with that and how do you uh you know we, we work with some companies they do a lot of remote desktop i think which helps so they're not downloading stuff into their local devices but um yeah it's still with e-learning happening now with kids at home um it's just, it just it becomes a real nightmare as far as keeping those things segregated um yeah yeah. And, and again, I think we said this earlier, you know, a lot of folks didn't have a bring your own device policy to start with. So they have no hands on uh, mobile devices, laptops, tablets. So they don't know how those things are configured, which some of those, you know, in an Apple ecosystem, you've got a little bit better protections out of the box. But, you know, if you've got a Windows machine and potentially an older Windows machine, um, you yeah. got some real issues because it's like 2000, the Windows, uh, was it 2007 is uh, no longer supported, no longer patching. Yeah, you got to make sure that that was I think last January that that yeah. went out of patching. So you, you're basically out of compliance right there uh, and have an issue on your hands. Um, if, if you're, say, a physician and your nurses are working from home and, and logging information on, a, on an older device, um, can be a real issue for them. So how can employees secure PHI now that they're working from home? What's, you've listed some great ideas, but uh, any other thoughts you have on that? Yeah, just bring it back from the technical to the practical. If you, they, if you try to rely on four principles, like one, don't share devices or don't share passwords to the degree at all possible. Right. Second, lock away any physical media like papers, devices, thumb drives, so that people can't access them. Abide by the same kind of clean desk policy you might have at work. So when you're done with your stuff, put it away, lock it away, don't leave it out, don't leave your screens open with logged into places. And just be aware who has access to things. And even more importantly now, who can overhear things? That's one of the big things, um, you know, when you're doing phone calls or Zoom meetings, people can hear across the house, right? If you're talking about sensitive topics, uh, should everybody who's, you know, is everybody 
under NDA. <laughs> I right. mean, maybe it's husband and maybe it's okay, but maybe it's somebody else. And you really have to uh, be aware of who's in the vicinity much more now than before. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, I'm lucky I live alone. Uh, of course, you could say I'm unlucky because I live alone uh, right now. Because we have to admit that most of my socialization happens over over Zoom and over Google Meets and those uh, other other chat programs. But yeah, that's a good point. That if you have other people in the house, that you've got to be careful. Um, that you can, you know, and and it may not maybe even shutting the door is not even enough if you're a loud talker. So you've got to maybe temper that and think about the minimum necessary. What's the minimum amount of information that you need to get, give or talk about in order to get a point across and to get the information you need to complete what's happening. Applying minimum necessary, that's a great way of looking at it. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, so if you had a, like one piece of advice, if you had like f that you could give to, uh, to somebody who's working at home, what would, what would you, what would that be? That might be too much, too reductive. I mean, I think you give yeah. a nice little grouping of things there, but I would just say think before you before you act, because it's so everybody's overwhelmed right now. We're dealing with kids. We're dealing with just so many things, and it's and we're being driven to distraction. So before you say, "Yeah, here, take my iPad," or "Here, just do it on this," think about the context and the minimum necessary and what the access is, and then act appropriately. And that hopefully will will sum up your thought process and the things we've already been discussing in, in the context of this podcast. Yeah. No, and I think you brought up a really good point. I want to reiterate um, earlier, and you just reminded me of that, is about uh, those access levels. Like, really, that's an important, important thing as an IT person or a privacy officer in a company, even if you're not of a high technical level, is to sit down and think about who really needs access to what information. You know, an mm -hmm. administrative assistant doesn't need the same access that a executive needs within a company or a right. physician may need more access than a front desk person. You know, and I know that there's a lot of shared res responsibilities that happen, especially in smaller medical practices and smaller companies. But really thinking about those access levels, I think, is important and, and crucial at times like this. Yeah. And in fact, even when there are shared responsibilities, even defining an access level that the people share so that you can peel it apart later as the company grows or as people leave is valuable, both from an inventory point of view, uh, just a risk point of view, and just knowing what does that, what that, what provides access versus just saying, okay, he's an admin. You know, that's yeah. just, it doesn't give you any context as to what that means, especially if an auditor comes in. Right, definitely, definitely. And also I think it's important to, to have that ability to grant temporary uh, you know, if you need to give somebody a level up in access for a temporary for amount of time to look at that and make sure that you roll back those accesses as needed, um, you know, so that, you know, somebody might need ac additional access for a week or two and then being able to retract that. And if you're furloughing employees, making sure that you're reducing that you're cutting off their access to systems. Um, Absolutely. Another important thing, it could be a temporary furlough, but still you need to make sure that you've denied any access to your systems at that point, that you've cut off their access for that time that time period. We didn't even talk about that. Uh, uh, that that's a whole other ball of wax for people. Yeah, and documenting it. Make sure you document all the access granting and revocation. God, that's oh. pretty critical. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talk about that all the time as far as you know, making sure you keep good documentation around that. Uh, make sure you have good logging around that so that 
if somebody's accessing a system after a time they weren't supposed to be doing it, that you have that that you can that you see that in, that uh, those those actions are happening, and so you can trace things if, in case something goes wrong. So yeah, well, we've we've covered everything on on the list here. We talked a little bit about the COVID nineteen things. Is there anything else that you uh, you wanted to throw out there? Um, I just think it's important for people and organizations when they're in this time of crisis where they're trying, where they're sort of struggling, they're trying to do too many things, um, they're trying to grow, not, they're trying to not fold, you know, they're furloughing people, is just take a little bit of time to still stick with some of your best practices. I mean, it's so easy just to say, I'm not going to worry about this or that right now, but certain things like a little bit of security, a little bit of thought, a little bit of documentation, it's going to go a long way to fixing things later, preparing yourself to be in a better position like six months or a year from now. Um, otherwise, you end up with a spaghetti. It's like picking, you could just pick a whole bunch of vendors in a hurry in one day because you have to do something new. I need to do video conferencing. Let's just do it. Right. But then if you don't take that extra day to actually consider what they provide and how it works with what you want to do, you could end up making some bad choices that well, they work for this week, they're not going to work for you next year. And that could be a problem. That gets back to the quasi-compliance that we were starting to talk about earlier in the, in the podcast. Yeah, and I think I, I was actually, I was looking at your guys' site with the video chat that you guys have now. And and that is one of the things I saw from HHS is they are now, you know, with telecommuting, they're just saying, hey, you don't really need to worry so much about the, and I know I'm horribly paraphrasing what they said, um, you don't need to worry so much about their HIPAA compliance right now. We're giving you waivers for that. We just want people to be safe. But yeah. it helps to start to think about what am I going to do in a couple of months once those um, provisions are lifted and we do need a – we're going to – you know, it looks like telecommuting. It looks like potentially checking with your physician uh, via like a video chat is going to be something that's going to be with us for a while if not for the future is how do you prepare yourself for the future? Sort of what you're saying is, yes, I can use Skype right now, um, but maybe I need to use a different system um, like your video chat system you guys have over Luxi to make sure that I have a HIPAA compliant system um, and make sure that I know what I'm doing. Yeah, HHS is essentially allowing you now to make a considered decision. Right now you can use something quick to do what you have to do now, provide patient care, Etc. And they're giving you some time these months to figure out what you're going to do going forward. They give you time to make this risk analysis to look out there so that you're not going to make a bad decision. Because you're right, it's it's this is you know people for Twitter, people who work for Twitter are going to work from home forever from now. That was the announcement today, and that's just gonna that's a domino that's just going to keep falling around the industry. Like I don't even know if our employees are going to go back to the office for the most part, because you know we were 80% from home to begin with and. What's the point in having a large office and paying for all that space when most of the things you do, you don't need to be there for? I think that's the conclusion that many, many organizations are going to come to, for better or worse. There's pros and cons to it, but that's where we're at. Yeah, I, I actually have a friend who uh, is out in Seattle, and they send everybody home from Facebook. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them and some of these larger companies. Are they going to continue to send people to meetings once we get out of quarantine? Or, or, or you know, they've they've shown that. Uh, people are just as productive at home and doing meetings with Zoom and Google Meets and Skype and you know whatever platform they're using. Um, so right, yeah. Why would you pay for a campus? Why would you pay for a large uh, a large building if you're not going to if it's not going to be occupied? Right. 
that's that's another infrastructure point you can you can uh, do away with. But it does bring up you know it's one of those situations if you're going to continue to do this. I think you're right. Use the time wisely. Make sure that you're assessing the the protocols you have in place. Some you may put in an emergency, but going back and reviewing those and making sure that ones you made decisions you made in haste are actually the right decisions. That it behooves you to take a step back and look at them and make sure everything is is up to uh, your standards. Exactly. So. Well, fantastic. Eric, this has been great. As always, it's been it's a pleasure to, to talk to you and to get a, a little peek as to what you guys are doing. We hope you enjoyed this episode of HIPAA Talk. If you have any questions or you would like to communicate with our experts, you can find us on Twitter at Total HIPAA or our website, www.totalhipaa.com or email us at info at totalhippa.com. Thanks for listening.